Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm so happy you joined us on our podcast today. We're in a series called Behold Your God from the Gospel of John. We have most recently finished the sections from John 13 to 17, where we see the Lord Jesus Christ concentrating on his relationship with the Father and his relationship with his disciples. And in the last episode, in chapter 17, we heard the Lord's high priestly prayer for his disciples and for those that believe in him through the witness of his disciples. Today, we're looking at six descriptions of separation from Jesus. Now, I want you to turn in the Gospel of John to John chapter 18. And we're going to start here, but let me give a quick context. The Lord has prayed the high priestly prayer, and he and the 11 disciples are now making their way to the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. Judas has been literally indwelt by Satan himself and has rounded up a mob to come and arrest the Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, John does not go into the the prayer times of the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane that are so clearly explained in the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, because John, I believe the reason is, John was the last Gospel written, and the Holy Spirit led John to focus on other things in that garden than what had already been recorded in the other Gospels. So let's go to John 18, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Kedron, where was a garden, into the which he entered and his disciples. I would say that the garden here represents the place of communion with God. And yet we will see here in a moment that even that place can be soiled with the intrusion of Satan. And there's going to be a great clash here in a moment in the garden. But Jesus is with the eleven, and he knows what is about to happen. Jesus is not a victim. None of this caught him by surprise. He had predicted everything that is about to unfold, and so it happens. John 18, verse 2. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. For Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? 
And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spake. Of them which thou gavest me have I lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it, and smote the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Then the band and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. We're talking about six descriptions of separation from Jesus. The first description, the first person is Judas. Judas symbolizes a direct knowing rejection of Jesus Christ. Judas had been one of the disciples. He was so close, yet he was so far away. And we know that Jesus says that Judas would be lost. He's eternally lost. He didn't come back to Christ. He's not a sympathetic, confused figure as the rock opera Jesus Christ superstar portrays him. He had in fact rounded up a mob, a group of useful idiots, to carry out ultimately Satan's plan. And we know that the disciples were fearful and they deserted, and yet that basically fulfilled what Jesus said, that he would lose none of them. Only Judas would be lost. I want to ask you a question. Are you a direct rejecter of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you separated from Him because you know who He is, but you will not bow your knee to King Jesus? Be careful, my friend, because you are just like Judas. It's not that you don't know, you don't understand You won't yield your life to Christ. You're going to do it your way or no way at all. Be very careful. That is a separation from Jesus from which there can be no return if you leave this life in that state. But then we see another description of separation from Jesus, and that is in the person of Annas, And we see that, uh, let's read, let's go back to verse 12 and then 13. Then the band and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him and led him away to Annas first. For he was father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. So uh, probably his home was closer, but the real reason they took Jesus first to Annas as he was the shot caller. He was the power behind the throne. He was the government within the government among the Jewish people. He was deep state. He had a death grip on power that wouldn't quit. And he loved gold, not God. He is a religious liberal. He was a member of the Sadducee party, 
They did not believe the Bible was really the Word of God. They did not really believe in angels or really believe in Jesus Christ. They were not interested at all in having anything to do with Christ. In fact, he was a major league threat that had to be taken out. It's interesting that he was a member of the Sadducee party as many of the top leaders among the Jewish people of this time were, and yet they became quick allies of the Pharisees who were completely opposite, who were the Bible-believing conservatives of their day, and yet they joined forces because Jesus was a threat to both of them. Did you know that the Jewish Talmud lays curses on Annas and his entire family for the corruption that they brought into the temple system of his day. Annas had been high priest for a while until he was kicked out of the office by the Romans. But whether he was the high priest or he ruled through people like his son-in-law Caiaphas or one of his five sons who also filled the position of high priest, one way or another, he and his family had the, the real power from 6 A.D. to 63 A.D. They were a major league crime family. That's what they were. Are you like Annas? Are you separated from Christ because Christ gets in the way of your lust for power? and your lust for wealth. That there's, there's nothing more important to you than being in charge and having money. Now, I'm not like that, but many people are, and you may be one of those people. You know what you should do? You should repent and come to Christ and be saved. But you probably won't because you're just like Annas and you have no intention of doing that. But you know, the Lord does have ways of bringing people around. And even though Annas never came around, died in his sins, and is no doubt eternally separated from God today, there's still hope for you that you will respond to the convicting work of the Holy Spirit and you will place your faith in Jesus Christ but as I said, he was not the high priest, but nothing was done without his okay. He was like, if you will, a godfather. That's who this guy is. And just to make everything legal and all, he sent him on over to Caiaphas' house. Verse 14. Oh, let's go back to 13. For he was the father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that year. Now, Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. What a pragmatist Caiaphas was. He was an unknowing prophet. And yet, John records it here, and I think John turns that around. The twist is 
Jesus did die for all of the Jewish people, and He did die, in fact, for the whole world, for anyone who is Jewish or non-Jewish who will trust Him as Savior and Lord, they can be saved. But who is this Caiaphas guy? And what is the description he gives of separation from Jesus? Well, let me put it like this. He's not a, a very charming individual. He's a sock puppet of Annas. He's in power because Annas let him be in power. And he knew who the boss was. And when the boss spoke, Caiaphas carried out the orders. As long as the paychecks and the perks keep coming, hey, I'll do whatever Annas tells me to do. Do you let others tell you what to do in terms of spiritual matters rather than doing what your conscience and obedience to the Word of God calls you to do? Are you a climber who's enamored with your career and getting to the top and it doesn't matter who you walk over to get there or the favors that are called in to reach that spot jesus who needs jesus i'm not interested in religious stuff right now man i'm i'm, I'm in my career is that you you'll take whatever orders you're given as long as it advances your career and yet that very thing is separating you from jesus christ who is your only hope in this world, and more importantly, the world to come. We move now, though, to Peter. Peter, other than obviously the Lord Jesus Christ himself, is the human focus of John 18. So let's look at John 18, verse 15. And Simon Peter followed Jesus. And so did another disciple. You know, I was thinking the other day, well, where did the others go? They must have gone back to somebody's house, or for all I know, some of them may have gone back to Galilee. I don't know. We're not really told where they went because they seem, it appears that they're even absent at the at the crucifixion and the burial and and so forth. And, and they're just not, they just don't seem to be there but maybe they were just in hiding right there in Jerusalem. But nevertheless, they had deserted. But on Peter's behalf, he was still following Jesus, so even if it was at a distance. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now, we know that's the uh, Apostle John who wrote this gospel. And when he's talking about himself, he doesn't name himself. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without. Then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door and brought in Peter. Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? He saith, I am not. And the servants and officers stood there, who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold. And they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world. 
I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whither the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing. Why askest thou me? Ask them which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? Now Annas had sent him bound unto Caiaphas the high priest. And Peter stood and warmed himself. They said therefore unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. Peter Oh man, Peter, listen, he he knew the truth, but he was living a lie. Three times in that brief period of time that night, he denied that he knew the Lord. He was not his disciple. And yet, you know, the truth is most of us have broken his record by a long shot in one night. But we we see a description here of separation from Jesus that is very instructive, a cautionary tale, if you will. When we stand too close to the devil's fire, we shouldn't be surprised when we get burned. Now, The Lord had predicted that Peter would do this, and I think it was tearing Peter up because we know from the other Gospels that he wept. I I know that he was so ashamed and heartbroken at his behavior and his denials. And yet Peter is a, a great example here because even though there was this brief time of separation from Jesus, Peter Peter was was restored by the Lord Jesus Christ after his resurrection. And we'll see that even in the Gospel of John. But maybe you're like Peter. You're separated right now from the Lord Jesus Christ where, where you can say, I used to follow the Lord Jesus very closely. And now I'm more like Peter at the devil's fire. I'm I'm following Peter, uh, Jesus afar off. You know, what you should do is allow the Lord right now, today, tonight, if you're listening at night, allow the Lord to restore you now to close fellowship with Him. That's a, that's a description of separation from Jesus that Jesus longs to, to repair He longs to restore you to your former place of fellowship and communion with Him. And He will do that if you call out to Him. 
Do that now. Let's go to verse 28. And now we're going to see Pilate, the Roman governor over Jerusalem and Judea, over that whole area. He was a military hero, a very proficient governor, military governor, uh, politician. This is a very sensitive assignment he'd received, and, and Rome was really proud of the job he was doing because he was tough. Verse 28, Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas under the hall of judgment, and it was early, and they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Man, what a bunch of religious types. They're going to execute the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're worried about ritual defilement and not being able to eat the Passover. And the Passover's right in front of them. Jesus Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. In other words, they didn't answer his question. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. See, the Romans had removed that right from them, so now they're using that as leverage back against Pilate. It is not lawful for us to put any man to death that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. You see, Jesus had already said that he would be lifted up. Now everyone alive at this period of time knew that meant he would be crucified, lifted up from the earth. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest, I am a king. To this end was I born, and and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all, but ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? 
Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Now let's look at Pilate. This was a man who had no soul, no center within his being. To him there was no such thing as objective truth. Everything was negotiable. Everything was malleable and changeable. He feared Caesar and he loved his position. He admitted that there was, there was no charge. In fact, he challenged them about that. And he admitted that there was no fault at all in Jesus. Nothing worthy of crucifixion. I think his basic philosophy is you live, you die, and when you're dead, you're dead. Oh man, listen, if if this description of separation defines you, wow, you need to ask the Lord to save you. You need a new heart. You need to meet the truth. What is truth? That's the wrong question. Who is truth is the correct question. And Jesus said earlier in John, I am the truth, the way, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And yet Pilate did not believe that objective truth existed and the ultimate objective truth, Jesus, was right in front of him. And he washed his hands of it. Maybe you're like that, where you just don't want to deal with it at all. Well, that won't get you off the hook because somebody's got to pay for your sins, mister. And if you're not going to let Jesus do it, then you'll have to do it and you can never pay for it. And you will be eternally damned because of your sin. And that's where Pilate is. That's his separation from Jesus. But this last guy with the name, his name literally means son of the father. This last guy is really interesting, Barabbas. And the crowd rejected Jesus, but they called for the release of Barabbas. Hey, Barabbas wasn't even looking for a savior. Barabbas wasn't even repentant. Now, he was probably sorry that he got caught. But hey, you know, you roll the dice, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. But I want you to know something. Even though he was deemed to be a a revolutionary, had committed murder and some revolutionary riot that he had started and and was uh, basically a bad apple, you know, if he was alive today, he'd probably be in a biker gang, <laughs> mafia hitman or something. I don't know. This is a bad dude. I mean, of all people, he deserved to be where he was. And yet the guilty is set free. Barabbas deserved to go to Jesus' cross. Instead, Jesus goes to Barabbas' cross. 
And I want you to know Barabbas is you and he's me. We deserve to go to the cross. We deserve to die for our sin. And of course, we, even if we did, we're, we're sinners, so the sacrifice would not be accepted because we're not sinless. We need a sinless Savior to pay the price, the debt of our sin. And Jesus takes Barabbas' place. And if, if we will let him, Jesus takes our place and the guilty is set free. Now maybe Barabbas is, a, is the best out of all of these people, the best description of your separation from Jesus. I've always been a rebel. I've been a revolutionary in my whole life. I ain't changing now. Listen, you're a rebel without a clue, dude. Or ma'am. You, you have prided yourself since your teenage years and in your adult life as being a nonconformist, a rebel, and you don't even know what you're doing, and you're going to die soon. I mean, even if it's 50 years from now, that's, watch how fast that goes by. And, and you think there's some kind of like extra credit you get for being a rebel or a revolutionary. Wrong. You're just a sinner like everybody. There's nothing special about you except that the sinless Son of God died on your cross. You're guilty, and if you accept what He did, you can go free, and your life can be changed. And this silly uh, uh, shtick that you have of being a revolutionary and a rebel and all of that, you could just lay that down, man, and be done with it and become a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, that's being a real re revolutionary. <laughs> man, that is really going against the system, man. Let me tell you, it really is. And maybe that's you, and maybe right now you would finally, after all these years, stop running. Listen, you weren't born to run. You were born to be redeemed. And Jesus Christ is calling you right now. Confess your sin to Christ. Believe that He died on the cross, a sinless sacrifice to pay your sin debt so that you, the guilty, can go free like Barabbas. Ask Him to be your Savior and Lord and believe that He rose again from the dead on the third day and He's coming again and give Give witness to this. Make confession of this belief that you now have in Christ. The Bible says in Romans, you will be saved. Now, regardless of which person best describes your separation from Jesus today, if you need spiritual help, someone to talk with, I'm going to give you a phone number. So either get your phone out and punch it in or... Find a pencil to write this down. Here's a phone number I want you to call. And you can get help to, to become a Christian or help in what to do because you are now saved and you want to grow in your new faith in Christ. Here's the phone number. I'm going to give it to you twice. Write really fast. 1-888-538-538. 
1-888-537-8720. Call that number during business hours, Monday through Friday, and you should be able to speak with someone who can help you come to Christ or help you with your new faith in Christ. Thanks again for listening to This Week in the Word, and I hope that you will tell other people about our podcast. I hope that you will tell them they can find it anytime by using their phone, their iPad, their laptop, their desktop, and just type in the browser, www.dredhill.podbean.com. So that's D-R, no period. So it's D-R... E-D-H-I-L-L dot podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com. When they type that in to their phone, their iPad, their laptop, their desktop, uh, it'll bring up the site. They can listen through that app. They can make it harder, I guess, by going to uh, Google Play or whatever Apple is now. I can't remember iTunes or whatever, but you find it those places too, I believe. Uh, For all I know, you can ask Siri or Alexa or one of those other in-home surveillance devices you have, and they could probably find it too. But hey, the simplest way is just type it in, man, and listen. Tell people about this. They they need to hear the Word of God. Maybe they're homebound. Maybe they're in prison in the hospital, they're away at college, they're in the military, maybe they want to listen uh, on earphones while they do their work in a factory or something, I don't know. Tell people about this, be a missionary for Jesus, and spread the word about this podcast. I've never asked for any money from anybody on this podcast, I'm not selling anything on this podcast, I'm paying for this podcast so that people can hear about Jesus Christ and they can grow in their faith in Him and you can become a missionary with me and help others hear about Christ too. Thanks again for listening. God bless you is my prayer. I'll see you on the next episode in John 19, the crucifixion of Christ. Thank you and have a great week.